0: Thank you, Lord. It's been good this morning. And we're we're not done yet, okay? Just hang on. Um, Hey, if you got your Bible, go to John chapter 6. And, you know, we've been talking about the even greater. And I think that what we just heard falls into that category. Even greater. You know, um, I believe when Jesus said, you'll do the works I did, and even greater, he was taking all the limits off. That means you can't have a project in Dominican Republic that's fully funded, debt-free. That means we can have a church that's debt-free. That means we can't have a life that's, that's um, walking in healing, walking in health. That means we can't have peace in our hearts. I mean, it's, the limits are gone. Amen. 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 And But you know, there's, I want to talk this morning about a faith test. You know, every one of us at some point is gonna have our faith tested. I, I remember reading this biography of John Wayne a number of years ago. Anybody like John Wayne? I like John Wayne. Um, you gotta go back and you know find some of those videos, but they're worth watching. And um, I read this biography about John Wayne and, you know, we have this picture of him in our heads as this big, tough-as-nails cowboy, doesn't put up with, with anything. I mean, anybody tries to mess with John Wayne, they're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're coming for trouble. But I remember reading in there that he grew up, as he grew up as, as a young boy, his name was not John Wayne. His name was Marion. Imagine growing up a boy named Marion. You might get picked on. John Wayne got picked on. Can you believe it? In fact, he didn't just get picked on, he was bullied. I mean, severely. He grew up and he he said, growing up, he just he felt like he didn't have any friends. Everybody, nobody wanted to be a friend with a kid named Marion, except for his dog. The only friend he had was his dog named Duke. People started to call the dog Little Duke and him Big Duke, and the name stuck. He kept the name Duke for the rest of his life. But growing up, he went through some traumatic experiences growing up, and I wonder how that shaped him as an adult. You know, sometimes when you go through something in life, like say just even in the natural, say you, you break a bone. Well, if the doctor sets that bone properly, what happens to that wound when it heals? If I'm correct, it heals stronger than the surrounding area. Actually, the thing that was the weakness actually becomes a strength. Am I right? I think the same that's true in something like that, it's true with our our emotional state. It's true in the spirit. But John Wayne went through this stuff, and as an adult one day... I mean, he, you know he, who he was. He became an icon, and he represented the American spirit so much that during the beginning of the Cold War, when Joseph Stalin learned about John Wayne, he hated this guy. He hated, with a passion, he hated John Wayne. He actually ordered, he had a special meeting He ordered KGB agents, this is true, you can look it up, it sounds like a movie. He ordered KGB agents to go to Los Angeles, find John Wayne and kill him. The FBI heard about it, they came to John Wayne, they said, we wanna put you in protective custody. Nobody was putting John Wayne in protective custody. John Wayne said, thank you very much, I'll take care of it. He got a group of stuntmen men. In Hollywood, he rounded up a posse. He got the stunt men together, and for the next several months they searched Los Angeles for the KGB agents. They found them. They took them to a secluded beach. John Wayne walked out of a car, walked up to these KGB agents and put a gun to their heads and threatened their very lives and then turned them over to the FBI. You know something I wonder if what he went through as a child shaped his emotional state as an adult that nobody was ever going to pick on John Wayne again. Listen to me, church, because sometimes you go through a trial. Sometimes you go through some stuff in life. Do You know what I'm talking about. You go through some things and you feel like You feel frustrated and you feel like the enemy's attacking you. You feel all this stuff. But listen, the thing that was meant to kill you is making you stronger. The thing the enemy thought he was going to use to destroy you is now becoming a strong place for you because as that thing begins to heal, God's doing something with you. Listen, but you got to learn how to stand in faith you got to learn how to keep your faith in spite of, in spite of your circumstances. Yes. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39 says, We are not of those who draw back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and obtain life. Listen, we're not of those who shrink back. We use our faith. Amen. That's how we overcome we got to start using our faith. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We're using that faith in the in the blood of Jesus. We're using that faith to say, "No, he's always been faithful. He's never failed me before. He's not going to fail me now. I'm going to stand and believe the word of God." But everybody's going to get tested. Abraham faced a test, didn't he? When God said, "Take your son, go up on top of the mountain and kill the boy." And he wasn't even a teenager. So if, it was a teen, if he was a teenager, it'd be a lot easier. Those of you that have teenagers get that. Or maybe you had some. I only have one, and I love her. She's so good. She's perfect. I'm just I'm anticipating the day when I get some other teenagers. But Abram, he had to face the test. Will you lay your son down on the altar? He went up on that mountain but the word of God says in Hebrews that he believed God was even able to raise the dead. He went up on that mountain and he said to the people with him, don't worry, me, me and my boy are going to worship, but we're coming back. He believed. see, he didn't believe that was going to be the end. He was using his faith. And when he came down the mountain, he became the father of faith. Come on, we got to start getting to a place where it's okay to go through a test. None of us like going through tests. Anybody in school like taking a test. We hate it, but the test is supposed to show you what you know. It's supposed to show you where you need some work. It's supposed to work some things out of you so you recognize, man, I think I've got this now. I think I understand it. See, it's good to come in here on Sundays, but if you can't walk it out on Monday, it's not doing you any good. you got to learn how one day you're going to face a test. You still with me? John 14, let's go... Here for a second, this is our our verse for this series, John 14, 12. I assure you, the one who believes in me will do the works that I do and he'll do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. So listen, you're gonna do even greater works than these but it's gonna require some faith on your part. And I was thinking about this the other day. You know, I, I was in the yard doing some work yesterday had, had some gloves on, picking up some old logs and stuff, and I felt something under my glove. I thought, what is, what is that? You know, and I just kind of uh, brushed it off. And then a minute later, my hand began to sting. I thought, oh, no, and I pulled it out. I had a couple red ant bites on my hand. I thought, oh, man, and I just, I got frustrated with those stupid, I hate those things, right? And my hand started, my hand's swollen a little bit today, even. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, so stupid. And my first thought when I came in the house, my hand was swelling up. I thought, I better take some Benadryl. Yeah, What a, what a dummy, why is that my first thought? That's just my, what I'm saying. Why is that my first thought? For anything you face in life, we should be using faith. It doesn't matter what it is. I should be using faith. Instead of saying, well, I better, you know, I better just do, do this or do that or take a, take a shot of this or that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that stuff if you can do it in faith. But why is that our first reaction? Oh, I got a headache. Better take a Tylenol. Why not use your faith? You were given faith for a reason. It's supposed to help you in this life. Amen. Are you still with me? So let's go this morning. I want to look at this. John chapter 6. I shared this story a couple months ago, I think it was. But I want to do it again from this this perspective of even greater. And you know the story. It says in verse 1, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs he was performing, healing the sick. So Jesus went up on a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. The Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. Therefore, when Jesus looked up, he noticed the huge crowd coming toward him. And he asked this question, where will we buy bread so these people can eat? And it says he asked this to test him for he knew what he was going to do. So Jesus asked a question, but the question was a test. Doesn't sound very nice, does it? But he's expecting at this point in Philip's life that he'd seen some stuff. He's he's expecting in Philip's faith walk at this point, there's something being built in him. He's seeing Jesus. In fact, it says the crowd is following him because they've seen the miracles he's been doing healing the sick. So now Jesus asks a question to test Philip's faith. Now, if Jesus had asked the question to Philip, hey, Philip, there's a bunch of sick people in this crowd. What should I do? I bet Philip would have had some faith. I know what you should do, Jesus. You should heal them. Philip, there's a bunch of hungry people coming. Where can we get enough bread to feed them? That's the test. Philip had faith for healing, but maybe not faith for provision. Listen to me, church. We can have faith in some areas. I've learned that it's easier for me to have faith for somebody else. It just is. I don't know why. It's just easier. You come up for prayer. I can have faith for you and pray for you. But when it comes to me, I don't always always activate my faith like I should. My faith isn't built up enough for me. I need to work on that. But listen to me. We can have faith for some areas, I got faith for salvation, Amen. I've got faith for. Well, listen, you can use it for anything. I've got faith for. So you, so a lot of people have faith for salvation, not for healing. A lot of people have faith for salvation and healing, not provision. You can have faith for everything. So Jesus was testing Philip. Philip, you got faith for healing. What have you got for provision? What are we gonna? How are we gonna feed these people, Philip? The faith test. Listen, real faith will always get tested. You know, maybe you, again, you believe God for certain things. Philip saw all kinds of things. He probably probably has saw Jesus do miracles every single day, but he'd never seen anything quite like that. So it was stretching his faith. I remember reading a story, I think I've shared it before, but it, it spoke to me so much. Oral Roberts. Was, was doing mass crusades, healing crusades around the country, and he was seeing all kinds of incredible miracles when one day a woman came up with her boy who had no hip socket. He was missing his hip, whatever part of that bones and stuff were in there. Something was missing in the socket. Socket. The doctors said, you know, of course, since he was young, they'd, they'd looked at him and said he doesn't have the right bones. There was a deformity. He was born without those bones. And she brought him up to the stage, and he just shook his head. He said, look, ma'am, I believe, I believe there's just some things that we have to wait to heaven, to wait until we get to heaven to see. Because he'd never seen anything like that before. If you base your faith on what you've seen before, you're limiting God. Well, I've never seen God do that. I've seen God do other things, so God must be able to do these other things, and not this. But that's where his faith was. The woman said... He said, I I, I don't know that I can pray for him because I've never seen I've never seen God do that before. She said, "It's, it's okay if you don't have the faith, you do the praying. And she said to him, I'll do the believing. He said that just shook him. He thought, man, what kind of preacher am I? I didn't even this woman's got more faith than me. He said, okay, let's do it. And they prayed right there on that stage. That boy was healed and able to walk. He, they saw that miracle happen. But listen, it didn't happen because of his faith. It happened because of hers. Listen, just because you've never seen it before doesn't mean God can't do it. Maybe you've heard about it, but you've never seen it in your life. Listen, you, we don't base our faith by what we've seen. So Jesus said, we'll do the same things he did, but even greater, there are no limits, amen. Whatever you believe is what you can have, but your faith will be tested. It's okay to say, I believe God to provide for my needs. And you're sitting there with a million dollars in your bank account. You know, but what about when you got a goose egg in your bank account and you're saying, I'm be- now you got to really, now that's, a, that's an act of faith. I have to now exercise my faith. Mm. It's okay to say, I believe God's our healer, and you ain't sick, and you never been sick. But when you get sick, now you get to exercise your faith. Now listen, I'm not saying God's doing it to you, okay? Don't get me wrong, God's not making you sick so you can exercise your faith. Jesus didn't create a lack of bread in that place. He was the source of the multiplication of the bread but he did not create the lack. You might go through some things in this life just because you're in life and you walk through something. Man, I didn't expect that, but now I get to exercise my faith. Don't get upset when you walk through a trial. James chapter one, can you throw that up there? Verses two to eight. James says this, consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials. We don't like trials, we don't like tests, we don't like going through that stuff. But he says, consider it a joy. Now listen, if you've got the wrong attitude going into the thing, what are you doing? You're already giving that thing the victory. You're going through something, whether it might be a, a problem with your body or a financial crisis and you're already getting upset, you're giving that thing the victory. Don't you give your victory away. You, you consider it joy when you walk through something because you know you're coming out the other side victorious. Yeah. Consider it a joy when you face various trials. You know the testing of your faith does something. It produces something in you. It produces this thing he calls endurance, or I think in the King James is a patience, but it's, endure, it's enduring You endure, the more you endure, the more you can endure. The more you learn how to endure. Listen, somebody who's never had to um, exercise and they step into the gym, they can't endure very much. But when you keep enduring and you keep going through something and you keep pressing on, you're able to endure more. So he says endurance has to do its complete work so you can be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And he goes on to say, if you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives generously to all without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But you got to do something. you got to ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. You can picture the waves getting tossed this way. Then they get tossed that way, and the waves are up, and the waves are down. And he says that's how it is when you doubt. So when you, when you ask... He says, that person should not expect to receive anything. But when you ask, you should ask in faith, believing, right? An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. Listen, it's a joy when you go through something. It's a joy when you go through a trial because if you stick with your faith, you're coming out on top. In church, it's time that we start sticking with our faith. It's time that we start believing God. Come on. We're, and we're gaining something in the process. It's working something out in me. See, listen, let me put it this way. Israel, if they hadn't walked through the Red Sea, would never be able to walk through the Jordan. They had to go through one trial before they could get to the next. See, if you're not willing, if you don't start walking through some stuff in faith, you're not gonna make it to the other side. But we gotta get to a place where we're walking in faith. You might be going through something today. Listen, it's okay. Count it a joy. It's producing something in you. It doesn't feel good at the time, but listen, you can count it a joy because you're coming out on the other side, victorious. The thing that was designed to destroy you, God's going to use the same thing to put you up on the top. Amen. I believe that. So look at verse seven here, chapter six, Philip answers the faith question by looking at what they have in their hand. Nothing. Philip says 200 denarii, that's 200 days' wages worth of bread, wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. So he's saying, Jesus, we don't have enough. He's looking at their lack. See, the flesh always wants to look at what it has in its hand. My precious. Reminded me what, what has it in its pockets or whatever. But faith looks with a different set of eyes. We're looking to a God who can do a lot with a little. Come on. He doesn't doesn't even need much to work with. He just needs you. Oh, that was mean. I'm sorry. He he can do a lot with a hey, that's good news for some of us. He said, I don't have, God, I don't have a lot to offer. That's good. He can do a lot with you the person who thinks they got a lot to offer, you're not going to use them. Just let him use you. Come on. It's not about who you are or what you can do or what you have. That's the point of even greater. It's about him. He does it. That's how he's calling us to live. See, this should have been, this feeding 5,000 people, this should have been a thing that increased the disciples' faith so the next time they're in that kind of situation, man, they, hey, we know what to do now. We know what to do. But the next time they're in this situation, they don't seem to have learned a lesson. Now there's, there's less people. There's only 4,000, and they're, they're freaking out. We don't know what to do. They didn't learn the faith lesson. You got to learn the lesson. If you go through the test and, and like Philip, I, I don't know, Lord, I don't know where the provision is going to come from. I don't know how we're going to do that. It's impossible. You come through the test like that. You better learn your lesson or you're going to have to keep learning your lesson. Come on. Here's what it comes down to, though. Why didn't they learn the faith lesson? They, I don't believe they really put their faith in Jesus. That's hard to say because these guys were with Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week, seeing miracle after miracle, but they hadn't really put their trust in him. In fact, you see later with the wind and the the waves, they say, who is this guy that can command the wind and the waves? They haven't really understood who he is. They haven't really believed in him. They haven't really put their faith and trust in him. If they had, they wouldn't have worried about it. They had God in the flesh standing there saying, where are we gonna feed? The God who created the world with a word. He spoke a word, light, and light just comes out of him. He spoke the word, and the same God is standing there next to him. The word became flesh, and he's standing there saying, where are we gonna buy bread? Come on. Why would they have worried? Because they didn't really put their trust in him. If they could have understood who he was, if they could have understood who was with them, they wouldn't have worried. Listen, now it's easy to point fingers at the disciples. What about you? Do you understand who lives in you? Do you understand who he really is? Why are you worrying? Come on. Why are you wondering how you're going to do it? Because you don't really trust him. You don't really understand he's in you. He's for you. He's not against you. Come on. But faith's got to keep working in you so you get mature. You got to go through the test so you, can, so you can come out the other side, mature, complete, lacking nothing. Amen. So look at verse 8. Let's keep this going. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Then Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was lots of grass in that place. They sat down. The men numbered 5,000. Jesus took the loaves. He gave thanks, and he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish, as much as they wanted. I looked up the fish. I guess there's little. they're like the size of sardines. He had two of those. Everybody got some fish to eat. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big sardine eater. I've eaten some. I don't remember ever like breaking them, right? That seems gross. You just, just kind of pop them in. How do you multiply that? He did. And they had leftovers. Leftover sardines. But this was a miracle provision a miracle for their provision. And I think here's the point. He's not limiting his power to one area. He didn't just come to save. He came to heal too. He didn't just come to save and heal. He came to provide. He didn't just come to save and heal and provide. He came to do everything that you need, take care of you. Multiplied wine at a party. Why? Because they needed it. He came to take care of your needs. But look at how he did it. I like how he did it. He took the loaves and he gave thanks. And I think here's the lesson for us this morning you have to use what you have and you have to give thanks for what you have. Because I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. You know, it's like when you're learning how to drive a stick shift and you got to you got to figure out that clutch, don't you? You might maybe you get going in first gear, but if you don't got the clutch, you're staying in first gear. You're going to stall out. This is, I think, where a lot of people stall out because they're looking to something else. They're saying, God, well, how am I going to do this? And how am I going to? And they're looking at what they have and they're not even thankful for what he's given them. So it's never multiplied for more. When I'm not using seed, I think that's the principle of the kingdom of God. Start using what you have. Use the faith you have. You say, I don't have a lot of faith. You've got some faith in you or you wouldn't be here. you got some faith or you wouldn't be watching. You know what I mean? You've got some faith. God's given every man a measure of faith, so you've got faith in you. It may just be a mustard seed, but you can do a lot with a mustard seed. Isn't that what Jesus said? A mustard seed can move mountains. Start using what you have and be thankful for what you have. You might not be the most talented person or the most, you know. Listen, a musician doesn't wait until they can play perfect before they practice. That's backwards. What do they have to do first? They got to pick up the instrument and start using it. Am I right, musicians? Yeah. You got to start using it, use what you have. Use your faith. Start standing for small things. Maybe it's just an ant bite. I got, I, I got in here this morning, the Lord convicted me. He's like, you need to rebuke that thing in the name of Jesus. I said, you're right, I do. I started rebuking it. You get, start, start using your faith. Maybe it's just something small. Start using your faith for something small so you can use it now for something big. You remember the story of Elijah and he prayed it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. It didn't rain. He prayed it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years. Now he's up on the mountain praying for rain. He puts his face to the ground. He sends his servant, go look and see if there's, a, if there's any, anything coming. The guy goes out and he looks. He doesn't see anything, right? He comes back. No, there's nothing. Seven times this goes on. And finally, the guy comes back and he says, well, I think he's a little embarrassed, He says, Elijah, there's a cloud, but it's about the size of my fist. And Elijah says, That's it. That's it. Get up. I wonder how long that cloud was there. I believe God does something when we pray. I believe He answered that prayer immediately for Elijah. And the man went the first time and he looked at that little cloud. He said, That's not it. He's looking, why? He's looking for a rainstorm and he sees a cloud. Seven times, I bet you he looked at that cloud seven times. That's not it. That's not, finally, he's, like, he's embarrassed at the small thing because the flesh wants to look for the rain. Listen, but faith can see a storm in a blue sky. That's how you got to see. Faith sees with different eyes. The flesh looks for the noise, right? But faith can hear the still small voice. Flesh wants to see the provision in its hand before you need it. But faith uses what you have knowing it's more than enough. Faith sees differently. See, I believe the reason we aren't seeing even greater is sometimes we're walking in the flesh so much that we're not using our faith. We're walking in the flesh for for even little things. I believe God's saying, start using your faith. We're acting natural, we're thinking natural, we're living natural, but that's not how we're called to live. So Jesus, at this point, was expecting his disciples to be walking in faith. Let me finish the story here. Verse 12. When they were full. I like that. They were full. Say that with me. Full. These people were full off of a boy's lunch. 5,000 men. He told his disciples, collect the leftovers. So nothing is wasted. They got leftovers. Man, I'll tell you what, we fed our kids dinner last night. Some of those kids can eat like monsters. There was no leftovers. I was scratching around. I was I was looking for something a little bit more. I'm eating off this one's plate because they left a little something, that one left a little something. There's not much for leftovers around my house. They collected. Now I want you to look what he did for a minute. In the natural, what they had was not enough. In the natural, this much food can't feed that many people it's not enough to go around but when jesus touched it when jesus was thankful for it when jesus used it it was a full supply with leftovers i believe and this goes along with what we heard this morning i believe there is a full supply for you i believe there is a full supply in this house of whatever you need I believe in your life, whether it's for health. And listen, I'm not saying health like, well, I'm not in the hospital, but I got this problem, that problem, that. I'm believing God for health for you, a full supply. I mean, even healthy, like in your old age, healthy. So that people half your age are saying, man, where does that guy get his energy? I believe you have a full supply financially. I don't I don't mean well I'm not horribly in debt but I'm living paycheck to no I mean a full supply. I mean debt free, you have all you need and more so you can bless others because I believe that's the that's that's what God wants. He wants other people being blessed off of your leftovers. You know? Full supply. We had a word spoken in here a couple Wednesday nights ago. And let me just say this, because I felt, I felt from the Lord, and I've, I've been feeling it, that as a church, we need to be debt-free. And, and praise God, he's, he's provided for us. We have a full abundance. We have a su- full supply right now. The Lord has taken care of us. But we have, we have a, a mortgage. I don't believe God wants us to have a mortgage. I believe God wants us debt-free. You know, we've been paying on that mortgage and, and God's been good. He's been faithful. We paid down a lot on that mortgage, but I believe God doesn't want us to have it. He wants a full supply. And I believe, I believe that's part of the even greater. Now, listen, I'm not saying it because I want to I take an offering and this and that. No, I'm saying, I'm saying this because I believe God is going to make a way for us to be debt-free supernaturally. He's going to provide more than enough so that we can cancel that thing and have extra leftover. Because it's a drain on the ministry when we have to send money to a bank every month for a building. That's not how God wants us to live, amen. For you, for you yourself, if you wanna receive that, I believe God wants to supply fully in every area of your life. We're believing for a full supply here. Listen, they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers What did they do with it? Who took it? I wanna know these things. But what they had in the natural was not enough, but when they gave it to Jesus, it was more than enough. And And I feel this from the Lord, that we need to trust him fully with every part of our lives. We need to be walking in faith for every part of our lives. Will you stand up with me this morning? And let me say this. I mean, there's a lot of crazy things happening in the world. Our world is in desperate need. Some people are worried or anxious. Christians, worried, anxious about what's happening around them. But listen to me. God is never worried or anxious. Not about the condition of the world and not about what you're going through doesn't mean he's not concerned. He just doesn't get worried about it. He's not anxious. He's not an anxious God. Isn't that? Phew, doesn't that just give you some peace in your heart right now? Whatever you might be facing, you might be going through a trial, you might be going through something. God's not anxious. Listen, he sent Jesus into this world in a time when the world we could say was in a bit of Chaos, really. I mean, Israel was being ruled by the Romans. There was oppression. There was some tyrannical leaders over the over the nation who were doing some really despicable things. I mean, we think we have it bad in our country. I mean, they would. So you had a leader who could just at whim kill all the babies two years old and under just because he he wanted to remove any threat to the throne. That's the kind of place that Jesus was born into. But Jesus wasn't worried. And he wasn't anxious about the state of the world. Why? Because he came to change it. He came to change the world around him. And he forever changed the world. When he left, the disciples went and they said to the disciples, these are the people who are turning the world upside down. Listen, he puts you in this world not to be worried and not to be anxious and not to be frustrated over who's the president and who's this and what's happening politically. He puts you in this world to change some things, to use your faith and turn the world upside down. It's time the people of God rise up and become who they were called to be and start living in faith and believing God for everything in your life. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Amen. Just bow your heads for a moment. Maybe you're here this morning, or maybe you're watching this morning and you'd say, Jesus Christ is not the Lord of my life. You'd say, I'm away from God this morning. Maybe you used to know him. You used to come to a church. You used to be grounded in the word of God, but you say, I'm away from God this morning. And you can't say for sure with certainty in your heart that if he were to come today, that you'd go to heaven. Listen, I want you to have assurance in your heart. The word of God says you can know for sure because he says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. This morning, if that's you and you need to give your life to Jesus, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Even if you're watching at home, I want you to raise your hand to the Lord, not to me. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and come into my life. I make you the Lord of my life. I confess that you're my Lord and you're my Savior. And I give my life to you today, Jesus. For the rest of you this morning, maybe you're going through a faith test. I want to say to you, keep standing. Keep believing. I'm speaking today, and I want to declare this, I'm speaking a full supply over you. A full supply for, for everything you need I declare there is nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken in your life. You've got a full supply in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for the full supply that we have. We thank you that we can use faith for everything in this life to take care of of what what our needs might be. We thank you for it, Lord, today in the name of Jesus. Amen.